Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, yeah. To the sweet sounds of Kevin Bobby Wilson, it's Hump Day with Swanee and Friends, Dane Swan, Samantha Richards. Hello. Hello. Hi. You know. Hi, good to be here. Hey, hey. Some nice you. footwear you've got there, Ralph. <laughs> what the fuck are those? What's worse, the feet what or are the shoe? Oh, jeez. I don't know. They're doing a bit, aren't they? <laughs> what are they? Yeah, I don't know. What would you call them? I call that. Apart from terrible. The, I call that the extension of dad bod. I was going to say, I was just about to say, they're dad thongs. <laughs> are sandals. they thongs or are they sandals? Dad I don't know, no, whatever no. they are. Oh, Dane, have you got yourself a pair? Well, you better get I'm, out to the oh, shops. Yeah, exactly, it looks like I'm going to have to get myself a <laughs> pair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 I hey, that. I saw a mm. smile on your face, but a real one. <laughs> it's still here. It was, it was a real one on your face on, on Sam's Insta feed. It was, I'm actually fucking doing work again. I'm working. Mm. I've got a job. Oh, like, yeah. that's not from home. What are you doing? And I'm getting paid and there's other humans mm. within the vicinity of me. I mean, most of them are wearing masks, but um, I'm working at the tennis. Well, ATP Cup this week. started. ATP Cup this week and then okay. Australian <coughs> Open next week. So there's actually seven tournaments running this week in the one place to get them all out They've the way. They've got enough tennis courts? Yeah. Are they using somehow. rich people's backyards? Uh, well, are they in your backyard, Ralph? <laughs> oh, oh, please, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Table tennis going on? <laughs> There's something like, um, I think prior to this, there was the record was 64 games in one day, and this year, now there's 98 games being played in a day. That's amazing, so, isn't you it? You have that bit of Vince McMahon strut walking in saying, yes, I'm back actually doing what I actually, actually like doing. Actually doing stuff. Is yeah. this thing on? Do you like the sport of tennis? I absolutely love it, Dane. Uh, it's my favourite sport oh, to do. I okay. wish I could go on tour if oh, you're listening. Oh, I, well, I do have a problem with tennis, but... Well, I know your problem. Yeah. I well, mean, we can maybe ask the guest what he thinks about can it. Can I give you a test, though? What? Dane, you're getting paid to do the tennis. How do you rate tennis? Oh, that's fantastic. There you go. <laughs> I, I, no, I don't have a problem with the sport itself. I just have a gripe with no noise. No Same noise. with golf and that. Like it, yeah. it baffles me that the world's best players can't have a bit of chitter-chatter in the crowd to because they're the world's best. I understand if they were... Um, you know, blind or deaf, they need to hear the ball and like the jingle to, to play it. Fair enough, but um, my opinion, my opinion is that they should. They're the best players where they get paid millions, and millions of dollars, 
And tickets aren't cheap at the tennis. If you want to go and see courtside... Do you pay for your tickets, Dave? And talk on the... Uh, well, Do you pay for them? No, but I, don't, I wouldn't go anyway. But I'm usually up the bat. I'm not... Imp- Trust me, the longer I'm retired, the less important I am. So my seats have gone from the front. Now they're at the back now. They're just, I just get GA tickets now. Not so. Um, but that's my gripe with tennis. But I'd like the game. Like I like when two good players playing each other. But um, the no noise thing baffles me. They're the best players in the world. They should be able to handle a bit of chitter chatter. Absolutely. Same as golf. But yeah. This time last year on the Wednesday before the Super Bowl, what were you doing? This time last year. Yep. Wednesday before the Super Bowl. Well, I was in a. I was in LA. I think I think I was flying to Miami on the Friday, so I was knee deep in LA. Had, had you had you already had COVID, or you're about to get? Oh, twice. No, 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 no. I got it in L- I got it in Miami. Yeah, I got it on the Friday night in but Miami. That's not all you got in Miami. Yeah. Well, I got COVID <laughs> yeah, for the first time. Well, oh, mate, people laugh, but I'm telling you. Yeah. Like I genuinely, well, I had something. And like I don't it wasn't think they the general. They had COVID. They just laughed that you would have got something. In ten years, we'll probably look back and yep. think it was funny. But um, yep. yeah, no, I, I, something was wrong with me. But um, <laughs> I toughed it out. Of course you did. Well, well, our guest uh, that we're just delighted that he's part of it. It's uh, I, I get phone calls from people out of the blue. Have you got a tip for a Melbourne Cup? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I had to do that phone call to my man Benny Graham, who knows all about it. Hey, Ben. G'day, Ralphie, Swanee, Sam, how are you? Well, thanks for having thanks for, me. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank yeah. you for joining us in this debacle of a show. Because this is <laughs> this is the window where people just annoy you. Yeah, well, it's it's my time to shine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, this is the greatest week in sport, in my opinion, but oh, it does bring back some great memories. It was 12 years ago yeah. that I was lucky enough to, to play in the Super Bowl. I think that's gone quick or... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, gone really quick. Two thousand and nine, it was uh, February of two thousand and nine. It was just the journey, though, to get there was just I would never have believed when I was given the opportunity to go over and work out and punt for the job, essentially in training camp. That you know I was going to play for the Jets for three and a half years, mm. thinking I was going to play for as long as I played for Geelong, and then. I got the ass after week two. The required player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I had a bad game. We played the Patriots. Uh, Tom Brady had good field position, four touchdowns off my four punts. And <laughs> I got the tap on the shoulder on, on the Monday. Um, so I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I went um, to San Diego to hang out with Darren Bennett, just to have a few beers and go fishing and got a phone call from my agent that they want to sign me back. And... I immediately said no, like because I was so pissed off at what had happened. Hang on a minute. That, that, so the the Jets cut you, then gave you another opportunity, but you told them where to go. Well, initially I told my agent that I didn't <laughs> want to, and they said, "Well, they really need you." You could be the tallest short man syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy that replaced me did his hamstring right at oh. training, and funnily enough, I was in San Diego with Darren, and the Jets were playing in San Diego. So I hooked back up with my teammates. They didn't even know I'd been cut. They, they just sort of gone back to Australia for for the week. But uh, two weeks after that, I got cut again. Um, and then what happens in the NFL, you see the business side of it where yeah. players are a commodity and, you know, contract doesn't mean anything other than the guaranteed money that you sign for. And uh, had a workout for a few teams, ended up signing for the Saints and played... Uh, New Orleans. For, that's it. Yep. But we played in... London at Wembley, which was a great experience. But the, Sean Payton, the coach, called the kicker and myself in on the Monday when we got back and 
cut us both on the same day. <laughs> First time it's ever happened. So, of course, you know, so I thought my career was over, you know. So, um, But luckily enough, the Cardinals wanted to bring me in and work me out and I won the workout, got the job four weeks later in the playoffs and four weeks into the playoffs we just kept winning and ended up in the Super Bowl. So I, I was like the third player in history to play for three teams in the one year. <laughs> so that's why the journey is so special because yeah. to get to the Super Bowl, so much happened um, and it was such a crazy experience for my family and in the end, you know, we won the NFC Championship game. It was against the Eagles, against Sav Rocker. And before the game, we shook hands and said, one of us is going to be the first Australian to play in a Super Bowl. Oh, this is just mind-blowing. And, of course, you win the NFC Championship. And it's a huge big party and two weeks lead into the Super Bowl. So this time of the year brings back all those great memories. Um, but the phone just... <laughs> rings off the hook. Playing free tickets because you played in a granny in Geelong. How many free tickets did you get? Uh, for, well, when you play in the Super Bowl, you get 15. And now if I get two. Yeah. <laughs> and our stadiums are sometimes twice the size. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, well, you get two uh, for being a player yeah. um, in the league, but 15 if you're playing in the in the game. But, um, you know, these guys are on like a million dollars a game. Yeah. You still only get $60,000 to play in the Super Bowl. Okay. And with 15 tickets, you have to buy them. Oh, you, have to, you have to buy them. You still have to buy oh, them. Oh, okay. I thought they were freebies. No, no, no. no. Oh, you you, you got to buy them for face value. Oh, so right. a lot of them try and offload them for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing you know. for nothing. But, but, you know, I had a lot of people coming over from Australia. So I thought that if they're going to buy their flight, put themselves up at a hotel, least I can do is <laughs> throw them Shall a ticket. Now, a few of them paid just to offset some of the cost. But it was great, great support. But this week, it's a little bit different this year because of the pandemic. Um, historic that Tampa Bay are playing. A home enough. Super Bowl mm. after three road wins, that's enormous. Is that right? No team's ever hosted a Super Bowl? Mm. No team. Well, wow. No team. And the Chiefs, will, because of the situation over there, they're flying in on the Saturday. So they don't – normally you spend the first week at home, the second week in the Super Bowl city while the fan activations and media day and everything goes crazy. So it's a little bit different but certainly a great experience for everyone that's lucky enough to be a part of it. <laughs> what was it like lapping up Super Bowl week? Um. Yeah. Well, Post COVID. Well, we like we certainly lapped it up. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the play is the players allowed out. Like, say on the they get there on the say they get there on the Saturday before the Sunday game. Is that right? Well, like the, the, that's the eight the days before. Oh no! So we flew in on the Monday. All right. So are you allowed say on the Monday night, right, boys? This is your one night. No. You can go out. No. <laughs> How many no, snuck no. out? No. Well, they did enough. With team activities there. But you, okay. you knew what was going on yeah. around you. And you, you, they also knew that if they did allow people to go out, that you'd probably lose one or two. <laughs> especially, especially in Tampa Bay. It's notorious for, for that type of thing. Is but it? yeah. it's, um, it's essentially in lockdown. Okay. So you're in the team hotel. And they said that the security at the team hotel we were at was as big as when Barack Obama stayed there when he was president. So yeah. it was you couldn't get in, you couldn't get oh. out. But we were well looked after. But you could just tell what was going on. Yeah. The TV, the helicopters above, and you know it was. It was. It was. You know, you think in Australia, everyone knows of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Not a lot of you know people will watch it maybe for more than the game, the commercials or the halftime entertainment. But when you know that there are hundreds of millions of people around yeah. the world watching the game, it's a bit, it's a it's big a, deal. It's an incredible vibe. It's kind of like you know. 
grand final parade here on steroids every day for a week. It's yeah. like, and especially I've only been to one. I was in Miami, so it's not a bad one to go to. But and I've I'd never been to Miami before. Yeah, I'd been, but I hadn't only like on stopovers to to go to South America. So um, I'd never experienced South Beach now before. But man, it was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like the tens of thousands of people every day just up and down South Beach, like in all their jerseys, like the. And they don't miss you there either, the the, the prices. But um, just like the, the parties, the people on the beach, yeah, it's just – it was an incredible, incredible vibe. So um, I would have loved to have, I was a, I would love to have gone back this year and watched Tom in Tampa, but, you know, clearly we're not allowed. But um, ama- amazing week and um, I think the Tampa boys – were they allowed to stay at home, do you think, or will they have to be put in a hotel? No, well, they will stay at home until the night before. So technically they could – well, get to actually, a party. I, I don't know. Yeah, they might. They <laughs> might be put up at a team <laughs> hotel. Um, Front of mind, but because <laughs> it'd be hard not to. Because all their friends. Because I imagine when you travelled, like you wouldn't have friends and family around you the whole time. But if you live in Tampa with your family and your friends, now you're going to have door knockers and like people coming up and seeing you the whole time instead of being locked out and being in a hotel. So, in one way, it's a great positive that you're staying at home, you're comfortable at home, but. It, I guess, in a way, it's a negative that you're going to have all your hanger honors and all your friends and family around well, every it, day. The, the, the difference is there'll be no, there will be no parties in Tampa Bay other than the people that are, I guess, in Tampa Bay. But nothing's been put on for everyone that's down. come from around Nothing. the world. Um, but Tom Brady, his family have moved out. He kicked him out. Well, they let they just said, uh, "Look, we're going to leave you here to prepare for the Super Bowl with no distractions." Probably went to one of the four wings he's probably got <laughs> in his house, and they probably wouldn't have seen him anyway. Um, but you know the Chiefs, they'll be at home, so same you yeah, know, will probably guess, yeah. apply there. But what surprised me when I first got into the NFL it didn't matter if you played home or away; you stayed at the team hotel the night before the game anyway, okay. because players did used to go out, and even with staying at a hotel the night before, they used to at bed check. They used to knock on your door at about eleven o'clock the night before the game. Some of the boys would be fully clothed under the doona, <laughs> waiting for bed check to pass, and then oh really? <laughs> they go. Dane likes to go to a hotel before a game, but it's called the Albion Hotel. Yeah, so yeah. It's a little well, different. There's actually no one to sleep. Saturday night now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a billion ways we can go with this, but uh, I'll, I'll try with this one. So Dane, a late goal that you shouldn't give up late in the second quarter in a grand final. What would be your sort of eye contact sort of motivation with Mick Moldhouse, for instance, if I just picked that if up? If I'd give it up. Yeah, or if, it, if no, I blatantly team did, give it, no, oh. no, if the team team gave up a goal, like we had momentum, late goal, <laughs> just before half time, what what would what would be you go? And uh, it's not your fault, but it's someone else's. Well, with Mick, you'd try to avoid eye contact at all time, <laughs> and maybe just sneak to the toilet when he's walking around and um, individually picking out people. So it wouldn't be great, especially if it was a very very blatant error. So that happened half time in your Thanks, Super Ralphie. Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> your, I saw his face. So what, 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 what was your way of avoiding the eye contact? Well, okay. Well, I've got to sort of set this up because um, we we were called the worst playoff team in NFL history <laughs> when we made the playoffs, right? So no one gave us a chance, but we yeah. kept winning. So we came, and the Steelers were all about one for the thumb. I don't know if you remember they'd won four Super yeah. Bowls, and oh, of course, right. Yeah, they they wanted one. Jerome Bettis wanted one for the thumb. Anyway, so they were, they were hot favourites. And we started off really well. It was close. It was tight. And at the end of the first half, we were driving down to score a touchdown or a field goal. But the last play before the half, Kurt Warner decided to – there was a hot route on 
and he threw it quickly. And James Harrison, who's a huge linebacker, a great player, intercepted him in the end zone and ran it 100 yards back the other way for a touchdown. <laughs> so essentially it's, essentially it's a 14-point swing. <laughs> what was the score at the time? Uh, well, they went in up. So they, were, right. they went 14-10. Right, yeah. And so we've all gone into the locker room. And similar to – I mean, the coaches were going off their heads. Everyone was, you know. And it was – a the Tampa Bay visitors locker room was smaller than any AFL locker room that <laughs> I've been 53 in. 53 players. And so there was not, not enough room to swing a cat. The, the 20 coaches were going off their heads. They were all trying to gather the troops in their lines. And, and I just said, bugger this. I'm, I'm heading out. So I got out to get some fresh air and buddy Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> halftime show, I'm on the bleachers, he's five metres in front of me rocking out the classics. It was the greatest concert that I've ever been to. <laughs> Unfortunately, I missed meatloaf at mine. So, um, I was there. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Uh, so, but you, you made a game of it. Yes, yeah. yes, we did. Um, we came back. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald had a phenomenal playoff series um, and he scored a touchdown to take the lead, um, which which we were on the sideline pinching ourselves. Like, we're about to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and um, I had to punt late in the, in the game and we got him to the two-yard line and that next drive, the Steelers, there's a penalty in the end zone, so it was a safety. So we get the two points and the ball back. So with a minute 37 to go, we're thinking, you know, we're a good thing here. Uh, we went three and out and punted. So Ben Roethlisberger essentially had a minute and a half to get the ball downfield to score a touchdown to win the Super Bowl and he just kept finding a way. <laughs> he converted fourth downs, fourth and ten, fourth and ten. I still don't reckon it was a catch, but Santonio Holmes <laughs> in the back of the end zone caught it as time expired. We had one more chance right at the end. But look, but as I said... At the it, it, the result didn't matter, like what we'd been through, the journey that we'd had, the to get to the Super Bowl after everything that had happened was the icing on the cake. Doesn't change anything now. I mean, yeah, it would have been nice, yeah. but um, great experience, great memories, and still very close to everyone. Uh, that I played with that year. So I guess we'll get your take on the upcoming Super Bowl, and you're picking that in a minute, but. Um, so I was probably answered your question anyway, but you obviously unfortunately lost the granny in for Geelong. Um, which one was uh, which one did you take harder? Of did the which one did you take harder? Um, and which one, if you had the time, which one would you like to have won? Because winning the Super Bowl is a worldwide event, and obviously winning an AFL one is good in Australia, but no one gives a fuck about it anywhere else. So, which one were you more invested in, and which one would you have? Care which one would you have won more? Looking back, which one would you have liked to have won more? Well, to answer that question, that'd be the AFL. Yeah, um, because as I said, the Super Bowl result it doesn't hasn't changed anything. Yeah, like I'll always be the first Australian to play in it. Yeah, um, hopefully someone else. Mitch Wisnowski played last year for the Forty Niners. Um, inevitably, there will be an Australian that'll win a Super Bowl and and good on them. But it, being you know growing up in Australia, wanting to play AFL footy, my grandfather played. Um, Seeing playing at Geelong in '92 and '94 when they lost, and having an opportunity to play in it in '95. I mean, we've come up against Carlton. They lost two games for the year. They were um, they were doing that this, were awesome. <laughs> they were doing this type of thing, and they're still paying for it. Um, but they're the best team, 
Um, but it was at that time, and I'm sure you experienced it, where you just think that you're going to go back and you're going to yeah. have another opportunity. And and it's great to see these dynasties like the Lions and the Hawks and the Cats and the Tigers now. But that's the one that you'd probably say yeah. um, you would like to have won. But, you know, people sort of say, well, you may have stuck around for an extra couple of yeah. years and won the one in, in 2007, but I would have been 35, I was way past my use-by date. Okay. Um, no regrets making the move when I did at the end of 2004. Yeah. So, by, I mean, I wasn't kind of involved in watching AFL when you were playing, but I've done a little bit of research and I'm by what I've learnt, you went to play NFL because it was kind of recognised that you had the biggest and longest kick in the AFL. You had this huge boot on you and people kind of recognised that and thought you might fit in well over there. Did you when did you kind of realize hey I'm going to I'm going to stop playing AFL and give this NFL thing a gig was it a did you think about it growing up or was it more when you were playing and people were recognizing this skill and then you thought hey it might be a chance over there Well so um I'll never forget the day that I realized that I could actually kick the ball further than other people I was in high school Yeah but the NFL was never on the radar other than watch Don Lane and <laughs> watch the Super Bowl but then Darren Bennett went over which sort of Pricked my interest a little bit. It's followed him so for those reasonably closely. <laughs> so he's well, you're a Melbourne, yeah. yeah he's a West Mel- Coast Melbourne, Eagle West Coast and a demon. Yeah, real pioneer there and one of the great people in life. Yeah, fantastic fella. Uh, mentor of mine, he looked after, he still does look after young Australian punters that travel over to the States. But we really wasn't on the radar until 97. So I'd been in the league for six years and the New York Jets they had a guy named Eric Mangini who was on their staff who his brother worked for Ford on St Kilda Road and coached the Q Colts Hmm. from last to a premiership in the amateur league here in Melbourne, which I didn't even know existed. But while he was out, he got to understand uh, the AFL and he thought that there were athletes within the AFL that could make the transition, not only as punter but in other positions. So he asked to work me out as a punter and we did this all under wraps in '97. And um, it was a good workout and at that time they offered me a contract and no one knew about it at the time. So I'm happy to tell the story (laughs) now. But the interesting thing about that week, we were playing Collingwood at the MCG on the Saturday and I was sore as buggery after the workout. <laughs> but I was kicking. Can, can I just stop there? Because it, it, it sounds unusual that if you're just kicking the ball a few times, it's going to make you sore when you're already a super fit footballer. Well, okay. So punting a football, it's repetition. So, but the way the workout went is I was hitting the ball really poorly in the beginning, but because I'd never kicked an NFL ball before and never had pads or a helmet on. Um, so I started making excuses like we hold it like this and we take <laughs> step like here and we sort of come around here a bit. So they just said, all right, you just do what you do with our ball and see what happens. And I started bombing the ball 60, 70 metres, um, which, which blew them away. So they basically stopped rolling the camera <laughs> and started to rain, but we went underneath and they said, here's a contract. Amazing. Just like that. Amazing. Just like that. So well, I had a bit what to consider. Yeah, what, what went through your head then? Because... Well, that's the point where I thought I will do this one day. And without going into detail, was the contract bigger than the AFL? Was it manageable where you think, well, Well, you don't have to tell us numbers, but was it comparable? Did you see the way he lifted as soon as you mentioned contract? Because if I had it been like, because US dollars, you went, fuck it straight away, I'm off. Like if it had been like big money. Well, okay. So it was three years for 1.5 million. So 
So it was 500,000 yeah. a year. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> see you, mate. But the, the insight that I'd had is that it wasn't guaranteed until yeah, you make okay. the team. Yeah. So to quit mid-career yeah. and with no guarantees was something that that's when I thought this was definitely something I'll explore Afterwards. later on. Uh, so we're playing Collingwood at the MCG and the NFL executives just happened to be in town and they're all there and I was still a bit sore from the workout but <laughs> I've been punting the ball long <coughs> and high. I'm kicking the ball out of fullback and I'm, I, I wasn't breaking the 50 <laughs> but they were going about 100 metres in the air. Um, but at the end of the year, because they were just embarking on their season, it was their <coughs> training camp, we said let's revisit this once my career starts to come to an end. Um, at that time, it was 2004, Eric Mangini had gone from the Jets to the Patriots, so they organised a workout. A couple of other teams heard that I was coming over and worked me out while I was over there. And as it turned out, the Jets was the opportunity to go to training camp with no guarantees. And I punted against a, another veteran from, a, from another team that they bought in because the Jets were flying in 2004, made the playoffs, and the punter was really the only position they needed to upgrade. So when you say you compete, are you like literally standing next to each other going punt for punt or is working out privately away from each other? Well, so when I first got over there, I didn't really understand how it works. So at the start of training camp, there's 90 players on the roster and, and only 53 make it yeah. at the end of, uh, end of camp. Um, but the two of us, and he was a good guy, we got along well, and for the first week, we just punted. Like there was no pressure on. It was yeah. just working on your technique, and I didn't really know what I was doing, <laughs> so, you know. But because did he help you, or was he like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, he, no, he didn't. But I wasn't expecting him right. to. Yeah. And at training camp, it's the only time that fans can come and watch. And because there was a battle on in really the only position that needed to be decided during training camp, it was written about every day in the paper. <laughs> but there was a point in training camp when I knew this shit's for real when the special teams coach, Mike Westoff, basically said, righto, you're in and you're going to keep punting if you get five-second hang time. And if you miss, you're out, next guy up. And it was like, holy shit. So, and that's when, it's, oh, that's yeah. when it started. But I knew it got really, um, well, the two things happened that, that I understood the, uh, the height of the competition. The first one was his wife cracked the shits with the media because they kept writing good stories about me. Yeah. And so they, they got their nose out of joint that I was being favoured by the New York media. The The second thing was the first live scrimmage, we went to the New York Giants training camp and it was the first time I'd punted against a live opposition rush. Yeah. And we had nine punts in this period and it was supposed to be split. So four each yeah. and then Coach Westoff would call whoever he thought needed the ninth punt. Yeah. So he's in there and he wouldn't get out. <laughs> Westoff saying, you're out. And he's going, nah, because he was hitting the bullshit out. <laughs> I want another one and I want another one. <laughs> and so I, so he had five and I had the last four and nailed every one of them. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and so that was the point where I thought I'm a, I'm a real Run. chance to win this because, I mean, at, at the time um, it took 12 months. By the time I retired at the end of 2004 – this was, you know, September 2005. Geelong were just got beaten at the SCG. Nick Davis kicked three oh, in the last yeah. quarter. Um, and I, so the motivation was to get the job and not have to go home. So there was a lot of motivation. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was tough going at the time, but to get that phone call that you'd made the roster, yeah. 
made it all worthwhile. And and well, then I guess um, like a lot of football, sit back and go fuck punting. Like I could go over there and kick four balls a game. Um, like if I, was, if I got a big kick, I'd be like fuck, I can do that. I'll finish footy and go over there and kick four balls a game. Do no pre, just eat and do weights of preseason and no <laughs> running. Like now I'm sure there's more work put in than just kicking a couple of torps a week because I'm sure there is. Yeah, well, yes, there is. Well, when yeah. you think about it, there are only 32 jobs in the world. Yeah. So you've got to be pretty damn good yeah. to not only get a look in for a job but to win a job. Um, Blow your own horn here, mate. This is a podcast perfectly <laughs> for it, mate. Absolutely. Don't worry about that. So um, I got some grace, I guess, once I got the job. You sort of credit's in the bank during training because you don't, you don't want to be shanking every ball at training yeah. because when the lights come on, they've got no faith that you're actually going to get the job done. So it actually becomes quite a mental challenge every time you go to practice, having to nail every single punt uh, yeah. that you kick. And we talked about 2008 leading into the Super Bowl. You know, you're looking over your shoulder every punt, thinking that you could get cut at any point in time. A, a bad, a bad game, a bad practice, and it happens. Well, as ruthless as that, you have one bad game, you're out the next day. You, you, absolutely. So do you, do you actually unpack your shit in your locker or <laughs> do you like just have a bag there ready to go or you've got to be confident enough in your job to where you can unpack and put a frame up and that? Yeah, well, you do. Yeah, I mean, at the start of training camp, you, you know, and I've been in punting battles a few times at training camp and won three and lost one. Um, but once you make the team at the start of the year, you shake everyone's hand because your contract then becomes guaranteed. Okay, yeah. um, but, you know, if you're performing poorly, yes, they can just tap you on the yeah. shoulder and they there's so many budding punters and every other position out there because, you know, I think most people grow up that want to play NFL or they play peewee football and then they go and play high school and only 3% of high school footballers go on to play college and only 1% of college footballers go on to play in the NFL and there's no other leagues for them to play. So there's thousands of athletes just training, waiting for that next opportunity either during the season or for training camp. So it's bloody cutthroat. What was the worst cut you got? So, ta-da. Probably... Probably the first one at the Jets. After that, what happened there? Well, that was the game at the Meadowlands when I punted poorly all from my end zone, playing the Patriots. Tom Brady took advantage. and, and Not a good bloke to be punting against <laughs> if you, yeah. get it, if you have it, a bad day. Is that your fault? Like, so I'm not, I'm not a corner. I don't play defence. <laughs> well, well, so the media the, at the time, they, because they, the Jets, the media love to get into the I was going to say, but when, the one more question, the media, New York v... Australia. Oh, it's another level, really. They have so much influence, It's the teams would never admit it, but they actually were on my side. They oh. said, oh, there you go, the Jets, yeah, lose to the Patriots, uh-huh. and what, cut your punter? <laughs> yeah, that's going to solve all your problems, isn't it? <laughs> but it was one of those days where the wind was howling in the face. Our offense couldn't move the ball. You know, My job was to flip the field. I didn't hit the ball very well. Um, didn't expect to get cut though. Like at yeah. that point, they were thinking I was going to play for the Jets for as long as I played. Were you for captain Geelong. at the time? Okay, captain. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't matter. No, that doesn't mean sh- no. You uh, can say shit on this podcast. Say whatever you. But why? Why it hurt is because when I packed up my locker, um, 
they were having the team photo. So they were all getting dressed to go to the team photo. <laughs> and I'm walking out with my bag, tears in my yeah, eyes. Not so fast, you. <laughs> oh, so I sat in the car park for an hour. Didn't know, you know, what I'm going to tell Katie and the kids. And, so, you know, thought it was over. So that was really hurt. But once I got the call back. <laughs> we're yeah. going a photo without you, assholes. <laughs> went went uh, with a completely different attitude. Just that, okay. As much as you want to invest in your team and your teammates, you're there to do a job, you're a hired gun, you bring a skill to this position and your mindset completely changes yeah. and you understand the business and how cutthroat it is, quick smart. And, and, and can you describe in a nutshell about the AFL culture and which from suburban footy to uh, AFL, my best I can gather is mates are still mates. At, at, at every level, but it's not necessarily the case in the NFL, is it? No, no, it's um, you know, they, Australia's a diverse country, yeah. but America, uh, the their backgrounds are so different, and when they come together in such a large locker room with so many different people and egos, and they there are many cliques, not only from what position you play, but you know, what ethnicity you are or what religion you are. Um, but you do have a close group of yep. mates. But, you know, I, I got hit between the eyes pretty much the first week when um, I didn't want to outlay a lot when I first got there while I was still trying to make the team. You mean emotionally, friendship wise? No, I mean financially. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought a bike because yeah. I was staying at a house just riding bike distance from the training facility and um, – I got that far in, in the journey that the family were coming over, so I need to look for a rental. Yep. But I can't go and look for a rental on a bike. So I asked <laughs> one of the boys how do I go about borrowing a car. And he said, go and ask Dwayne. He's got 12. He'll lend, <laughs> he'll, he'll lend you one. Well, of course, so I just roll up to Dwayne. G'day, Dwayne. How are you, mate? From ben from Australia. I said, I hear you've got a few cars. Uh, you wouldn't mind if I borrow one. I want to look for a rental because the family coming over. Fuck off. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> was he serious? Was he taking the piss fuck off or? No, nah, he was <laughs> real <laughs> serious. He even acted like that against, you know, with his mates. Like, so I set you up. <laughs> well, they set me up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, now, wow. so D-Rob, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. But there are some strange characters and you really do start to appreciate their upbringing. Like he's a guy that, you know, 
didn't have cars growing up, didn't have yeah. a TV, come from a broken home in the back blocks of Tennessee. And as um, soon as he got paid, like he just went and bought shit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, he, he actually, um, so the equivalent of a Datsun 280B, <laughs> he might have bought for five grand. He yeah. spent $50,000 on it, pimping it up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but just stupid stuff like that. They just, he just, yeah. um, I'm not sure how he's going now, but <laughs> I'm not sure he put too much away. Well, well, do, they, do they have good sort of education, for, particularly for kids from, from the real, real, real poverty? If they make it, do they have good education? Say, eh, that, that money's not going to last. Um, not in the NFL, they don't. That's what I mean. But yeah. the college system is fantastic okay. for that. They basically come out of college, well, essentially ready-made for life. Yep. Um, and then they embark on their NFL career, and when it finishes, they just get on with their life. So there's no development or welfare or anything like that at NFL level. You are just there for your talent, yep. and when you're no longer good enough, <laughs> they'll find someone else that's more talented. But, I mean, there are some guys that are very wise – with their money, and we, they do have the NFLPA have done a, a lot recently with looking after players and uh, retired players and things like that. Larry Fitzgerald's a great example of someone that's very, very smart with his money, but he has his luxuries uh, at times. And talking about cars, he used to drive a different car to training every day. <laughs> so, so every which depending on what day of week, he'd drive his. His Ferrari Spider or his Escalade, <laughs> or, you know. And so I asked him one day because he's a cracking bloke, um, which one's your favourite? Like, if you had to pick one um, to go back to Minnesota in the off season, like, which one do you take? And he said, "Well, when I bought them, I bought two of each of them. So I've got seven <laughs> here in Phoenix and seven in Minnesota." So. <laughs> incredible. Isn't it? Uh, he could have lent you a car. And he, well, a, yeah, that was at the Jets. So this, they now are at the Cardinals and they know how to live it up um, in Arizona. But it's, he's, a, he's a guy that uh, he's very smart with his money but got a lot of it and yeah. spend it on cars. Uh, heat heat map-wise, me and you, I first met you 96 across the road when you won a footy show, yes. longest kick competition. <laughs> yes. Oh, backward, all-star. Yes. <laughs> it was the grand final footy show and, uh, and Ben and Dean Irving. Yep, got through the grand final. Was kicking to the arrow. We had it all set up and yep. had a good drink afterwards. And remember, Trev Marvelade had the finger in your chest. Go, you got to make the NFL. You got to start making. <laughs> he was on my bandwagon from day one. That day one, absolutely. <laughs> How is Trev? Trev's going good. Say hello to Trev. And then a decade later, I'm at the Meadowlands with Hutchie and Gary Lyon yes. watching you play. And every time you kicked it, they played down under by minute work. Oh, well, that's pretty cool, isn't it? They, they, yeah. The, the Jets, they knew. My story. So yeah. they wanted to make me feel right at home. They even did a deal with Geelong where they swapped like 100 Geelong jumpers with Jets jerseys. So even at games, there'd be Geelong jumpers <laughs> in the crowd. They played with Land from Down Under. But that was one of my favourite things about uh, living in New York and so lucky that New York was my first team is that so many Australians would travel through New York. They'd yes. come to New York anyway and try and catch a game while they were there. So we'd catch up with everybody that we could We'd say just enjoy New York for a couple of days, do what you want to do, see the sights, and then come and see us and we'll have you out and then we'll show you the nooks and the crannies and the things that, that we enjoy. So did you come to Thanksgiving that day? No, I didn't. No. Uh, Hutchie and, and Gary came to, to a Thanksgiving yeah. dinner out at our place uh, that week. Uh, but uh, that's what I say, very lucky. Could have ended up in Cleveland or Buffalo or, <laughs> no one would or <laughs> where you wouldn't, no one yeah. would come and visit. But that was one of the great things about living in New York. 
Did you did you ever throw a fake? Did you, how many fake punts did you run? Uh well, see, uh, none. None. I tried to run one in a preseason <laughs> uh, and didn't pull it off. <laughs> they, see, it's all about trust. Yeah. And because I didn't play college, they I didn't have anything on tape to yeah. show them that I could do it. They knew that I was a um, a good athlete coming from Australia, but in America, they define athlete as if you can throw the football, uh-huh. and yeah. I can't throw the football to save me. I mean, I can throw it. Yeah. But I can't throw it to the degree that where I'm called an athlete. Never so, went to the special teams coach and goes, mate, I reckon we're on here. <laughs> no, just but it give took, me a chance. But even in my first year, I was hardly allowed to kick a drop punt. And so because the traditional way was to kick a spiral no matter where you were on the field. So it took a year to try and build that trust right. at training to kick a drop punt. What, what, what was good about the drop punt in the American game for them? Well, so... Uh, traditionally, if your offence is no good, you punt backed up and you've got to try and flip the field. Kick as far as high as you can and the returner hopefully gets tackled by your coverage team. But if you're punting, if your offence is sort of stalled midfield and you've got to pin them deep, you don't have to kick as far, you just kick higher. Now, they're easier to catch, but uh, eliminate a return and they have a longer field to work with. But when uh, towards the end of my Jets days... We're using it quite a bit and had some success. And that's one of the reasons why the Cardinals brought me in to work me out because they had a high-powered offense behind Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald and Ancorn Bolden, Steve Breston. They all had a 1,000 yards in that year. And they wanted someone that could pin the opposition deep. So basically that whole playoff series, I just kicked the drop punt, which is (laughs) – you can roll out of bed and kick the drop punt, really. It's the spiral, the consistency of the spiral that – can do the damage to you if you can't hit them consistently. But there was a point in Detroit where that's all they wanted me to kick because the special teams coach was shit scared of a touchdown return. So he just wanted – he didn't care how long it went, just make them fair catch it all day. But what that does, it doesn't look good on your stats. So when people look at the stats and say, geez, you've only averaged 40 yards, we're going to try and get a guy with a bigger leg. We'll say, hang on, you know, you asked me to kick – Drop punts for the entire <laughs> year. So it's, it works both ways. Uh, so uh, spring carnival jockeys always get asked about how they manage to not eat and, and breakfast radio people always get asked about how they get up so early. NFL players, you've got to ask about how big they are, the biggest ones, and how much they eat. <laughs> and how fast they are running out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, so there's so many different kind of athletes in the, on the roster. Like some yes. of them are Olympic speed Summer Olympic strength, like those big guys, you've never seen them lift so heavy. The deadlifts and the squats. I mean, the bears, the bar's literally bending. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable what they eat, like they're at the Olympics. They, they, Food Olympics. So a day is you get there about 6.30 and there's a full breakfast spread and everything's marked with a red, amber or green dot and you are essentially on a colour diet based on your weight. So they don't do skin folds, they just do your weight you weigh in every Friday. <laughs> My alley, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a smorgasbord and they eat a lot and then we go to the meetings and before we go out to practice there's a snack and the snack is pizzas, chicken wings, <laughs> hot dogs and the big guys are loading up. Played because, the wrong sport. Because <laughs> some of them needed to keep the weight on. Um, but the weigh-in was probably the most interesting thing on a Friday morning because it, they would – you would agree on a weight and if you weighed in overweight, 
you would be fined at that time was $547 per pound per day you're overweight. <laughs> so if you Go came on. in five pound over, it's two and a half grand a day, you know, four pound the next day. So you keep weighing in every day and oh. they'd fine you. So you really had to look <laughs> so after yeah. yourself based on your agreed weight. But there's no doubt. I mean, I left Australia uh, at about 220 pounds and my optimum weight in the States was 240. So did you feel good at that weight or is that what they wanted you at? Uh, well, they still saw me as one of the most athletic punters, but it was amazing because I felt so fit and strong and buffed when I was in America. But when I'd come back to Australia in the off-season <laughs> and hanging around all my ex-AFL teammates, I felt overweight <laughs> like because they're all so skinny. And even when the boys would come and visit and I'd get them into the facility hall, we'd meet – they would look like <laughs> sticks. <laughs> and, they, they, and so I'd be saying these are our professional athletes and they're looking at them. Looks <laughs> so, like they haven't eaten in a month. <laughs> yeah, completely different. But actually the, the weight change of even during your, your AFL days was significant, wasn't it? And particularly now because, I mean, you would have started your career playing on people like the size of Sav Rocker or Plugger even. And Plugger, Jason, Jason Dunstall, Dunstall yeah. Steve Kernahan. Yeah, all those... I was a late Scotty swimmer. Cummings. <laughs> Scotty Cummings. We talked about Scotty Cummings last time, didn't we? He, what? He kicked 14 the week before we played him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's big on his consistency with that story. Yeah. How, so he was like he, he was like the, you know, we were like, Scotty Cummings, come on, get in your park. He's coming off a 14 <laughs> bag, you know. What are we going to do to contain him? Well, I kept him goalless and kicked two myself. <laughs> 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 uh, well, we always said after uh, before the West Coast, he had the choice of West Coast or uh, or Geelong, and he didn't think horizontal stripes would have suited. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good player. He's a good player. He's a good man. Yeah, but but yeah, the, like the the size of football is then compared to now. It's ridiculous how much skinnier AFL players are across mm. the board, isn't it? Wow, the training regimes have changed. The professionalism is yeah. certainly. I still think there's some ways to go. Uh, based on my experience in the States, when you look at the athletes that are at the top of their game and how they train and prepare themselves both on and off the field. What ways? Um, yeah, just a couple, if you've got a couple for us. Well, <laughs> Don't you know, give your secrets away. Yeah. You work for a club at the moment. <laughs> well, if you, if you picture a professional athlete and you talked about tennis before, um, anyone going to the Olympics, you know how they train and how they eat. And the, the AFL uh, athletes today... There are some that will live and die by their body as their temple and everything they do. Did is you play to with any, maybe in the midfield? Who yeah, I played a couple. Took it seriously? Oh, I think it's about. Canterbury and Ball, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to find a balance, but there are some kids still on AFL lists that don't understand what it means to be a professional. Okay, cool. They're, um, they come into the league too young. Um, so do you think the draft age should be lifted? I do personally, yeah. So uh, where do you think they go from? So that would lift the, the, the. Is it called the Tack Cup still? This day, or is it called something else? The under eighteen competition. Nab League, yeah. Um, the Nab League, oh, yeah. Should 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 be allowed to be in there to what nineteen twenty and then get yeah. drafted. Yeah. Well, how long did it do take you, think, you to? I was the penny dropped. Yeah, I was seven. Well, about seven years, but <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I was seven. I got drafted too young, but yeah. How, I I got drafted seventeen. So how do I? Tell a 17-year-old who wants to get drafted now that they shouldn't be allowed. 
Um, Are you, you saying they're I mean? too young from a uh, a mental and personality perspective? They're not mature enough, or are you saying from a physicality perspective they're not yet developed enough to be able to put on the weight and muscle and train the way that they need to? Some are, some are ready to go, but if you raise the age, you would have more that were ready to go. Now, there's huge big differences between the two competitions, obviously. Um, then contracts aren't guaranteed in America, so people know that they need to do and act and behave like a professional sportsman, otherwise they are out of the league quickly. And the AFL, your contracts are guaranteed. But there are guys that have been in the league in the AFL for six, seven years that really haven't stamped themselves on the competition and they've wasted those years. If yeah. they had have either come into the league a little older or been a little more professional in their early days, who, who knows where their career could take them. I mean, I'm all for a balanced lifestyle. I certainly wasn't um, the poster child when I first came into the league either because in the early 90s with no mobile phones or social media, um, you know, we were far from the professional athletes. Actually, when I first got drafted, we still trained at night. Um, so they've come a long it's way. It's unheard of now. It's <laughs> a laugh if they go, boys, we're training at 6 o'clock at night. I'll piss off. Dinner's on the table. <laughs> What about, I'm, I'm not sure how much you know about NRL, but and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I feel like more NRL players or rugby union players make the switch to NFL as opposed to AFL players. Do you think that that is more of a, I guess, body physicality and style of the game thing? Or do you think that that is because here in Australia, AFL is more of the pinnacle? So if you grew up following AFL, that's all you want to do, whereas NRL and union is not as big for them. So they look for other things afterwards. Well, the beauty about the AFL is that we grow up kicking the football, which translates if you're good enough. Um, and a lot of kids now have gone to college to punt um, in America and they're applying their trade. There's four, I think, still in the league at the moment at the NFL. But from the other positions, there's no doubt that rugby league players are built um, to play NFL far more than the Australian rules. I mean, I used to look at someone like Warren Treadray or Cam Mooney if they had the time, they could go and potentially become something like a tight end, um, but they'd have to put on 20, 30 kilos. They've wow. got to become faster. I mean, I'll quickly tell a story about Willie Mason. He's my first. When I was at the Jets, they asked me, you know, he was a big big deal at the time um, in rugby, and they brought him over to work him out, and he was a physical specimen, and everyone – that was there that watching the workout thinking, oh, my God, I hope he's not here to take my job. Have a look at him. <laughs> well, they're all laughing behind their clipboards because when they're asking him to do NFL movements, he had no idea how to do them. And it was going to take him years to learn them and build the trust of a team to sign them. And he was gung-ho on making it in the NFL. So that, what, tight end? What? Tight end or a defensive end. Yeah. or. Um, and they asked me what my opinion was and, and I sort of said to his agent, look, Unless you're willing to give up two years of your prime in rugby to have a go at this with no guarantees, come back when you've finished playing for Australia and, and doing whatever you want to do there. And we saw a couple of years later um, Jared Hayne, yeah. uh, Valentine Holmes more recently. Like these guys were the best players yeah. in at rugby league. Yeah. And they come over, they go to a training camp, Jared Hayne – Stuck for a year at the 49ers. He dropped his first kickoff return. Apparently, he's not a great trainer. He didn't understand, didn't grow up playing in the NFL. Mm. 
um, as a young boy, so he didn't really understand the movement. So while he's physically capable, it was just going to take him so long to understand the game and the idiosyncrasies of the position. And before you know it, he's back here in the NRL. Yeah. It was so, the physique of Collingwood that could have, on what Ben's just described, Darcy Moore type, or was it? A, he, well, he's too light. That's not yeah. even half. The only, the only way I think if they played like, not even safety, like a corner or defense, you know, something like that, where they, but that's the hardest position to to play. Yeah, as a corner without playing it. There's one. There is one guy in the league at the Broncos at the moment called Adam Gotsis. Now he didn't. He played AFL as a junior, but he took a different route. He wanted to be a long snapper, so he'd help Sav and I long snap the ball to us in the off season. And he went to college as a lineman, and because he's a big guy, and he learned his craft early enough, and then through college, he was evaluated like other college players, not as an Australian coming that seems like have missed you know the best part of their career. Because that's the thing I think when um Jared Hayne went over, you're right, he was. Just a superstar here, he couldn't put a foot wrong. And it's like, why give up being at the pinnacle of your career? Is it an ego thing? Like, oh, I want to play NFL because it's because it's cool to play American football, or like, why? Do, what's the draw card? Like, wouldn't they be better off, like you said, to to finish their career, or you know, scouts find them earlier and go over earlier and go through the college system? Well, there's no doubt. I mean, Jared does have an ego, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, <clears throat> he wanted to play in the NFL. And good on him for trying. I kept getting asked, will he make it? And I kept asking, well, what's your definition of make it? (laughs) Is it make the roster? Is it make it onto the field during a game? Is it to make a 10-year career out of it? Because I think he's good enough to hold a practice squad position. Uh, Ultimately, he got onto the roster. And um, funnily enough, it was Eric Mangini who was the defensive coordinator at the 49ers when he was there. He was out... Uh, to Australia a couple of years later and I caught up with him and I asked him about that experience. And as a defence, the way you practice is against a scout team. So all your backups act like they're your upcoming opponent and they had a lot of trouble with Jared emulating the running backs that they're about to face because he either couldn't hold on to the ball or he was missing the wrong read or he he wasn't being able to run the routes that he was supposed to. So, I mean, obviously he was doing everything he possibly could, but because he hadn't spent that time in that position over those years through high school and college, it wasn't Wasn't in in his blood. blood. So he was playing on pure athletic ability and instincts and ultimately it's a brutal sport. There's a lot of money involved. and So much terminology too, like... You look at the even you look at the when you're playing NFL on the PlayStation, like all the the <laughs> arrows and the way the the things are going is like, and the way they talk at the just before the snap, like you know the amount of you know counting they use and snap counting, and like they say about fifteen words, and like way everyone runs, like it would take. That's why I know I could never play apart from my lack of ability and skill. <laughs> like just the fact that you have to sit there and learn like a million plays, and then if you if you step one way wrong, like quarterback gets sacked or you know. The quarterback throws it where you're meant to be, and you've turned left instead of right. Like you fucked in your cut, so it's a, it's a brutal sport. Well, I was a bit naive when I first got there. I saw the playbook, and it was like three yellow pages, wow. <laughs> or, and and I thought that I had to learn it all. Yeah. But the special teams playbook was about, you know, four pages. <laughs> that's all I. That's all I needed. <laughs> How many kicks you know? did you have to learn? Like just left, right, or up, the, or just kick as far as you can every time. Well, a lot of it was around coverages, so they 
had to trust that they thought they know where the ball was going. So that's uh, what they yeah. did down the field. But there's a saying in the NFL that if you don't know the playbook, you can't play fast. And if you can't play fast, you can't play in the NFL. So that's the biggest limiting factor for a lot of people because if you second-guess yourself or don't know exactly what you're going to be able to do in one particular play, you can't execute it and things fall apart pretty quickly. I'm just guessing as an outsider, but I'm channeling Dane a bit about his love of meetings that he's expressed on this podcast over the years. Do you think AFL have copied the in our, in our, sorry, NFL meetings culture a bit too much because NFL actually do need to teach you, as you said, a three yellow pages full of stuff compared to the AFL because it seems like there's a lot of meetings for the sake of meetings from what I hear. In the NFL? In the a- AFL. In the AFL. Look, in the NFL, there needs to be that amount of meetings. Um, now, Dane's, That's what I'm Dane's does, not going to like... Dane's do <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there are enough meetings. In the AFL? Oh, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there are enough good quality meetings. Yeah. Right. There are a lot of meetings when... And look, in the NFL, they will kick you out of a meeting if you don't come with something to write with and something to write on. Or I wouldn't have gotten into that. I don't mind meetings as long as they're short and sharp. You don't need to be speaking for an hour about the same shit that the guests talked about <laughs> again and again. You're like, well, I've seen this clip 15 times just a different way. Like, I understand that I'm not allowed to do that anymore or that's yeah. the way we're doing. And then you, after yeah. an hour, footballers, they've been working, they're getting flogged, they're tired. <laughs> like, you sit there and... We don't have the brain capacity to sit there after pre-season getting hammered, running 15, 16K, <laughs> then doing weights, getting flogged, and the end of the, you're doing an hour meeting, you're like, fucking last thing I want to do is be in here. Like, you you, you yeah. want to go. No, we've all, we've all been there. And look, again, different game. The NFL, every single play is designed. Yes. So very rarely, and you know, you'll see Patrick Mahomes the ability to scramble in a broken play and make things up on the run, and that's what I love about the game too. But every single play is designed, and the AFL is completely opposite. So, uh, but in my experience, um, and it's as simple as this: in in America, if you're five minutes early, you're five minutes late, right? So if you're not in your seat in the meeting ten minutes prior to start, you're you're late. So you're prepared. In the AFL, you know, generally speaking, the clock will strike mm. nine o'clock, and they'll be like still waiting on people to right. to come in. So that's the first issue. Yeah. That, well, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I was usually pretty punctual. Yeah, because um, I, I, I'm very punctual, and I um, don't understand if why sometimes people and, and yes, no, that's that's the thing. I'm, I don't like people being late either. I'm yeah. usually pretty punctual. But if you're going to a meeting and there's a purpose behind the meeting and everyone's engaged and you're taking things away from the meeting, then there should be more of those short, sharp meetings to get through what you need to learn or cover off on. But the long meetings that you're talking about and people start to drift off and you, you, you lose people. So the structure of meetings is really important. All right, yeah. quick, quick three to finish with. Can't not bring up doing Sesame Street. <laughs> just just because just Sam would have Googled you and gone on YouTube and there's you doing a long kick and there's you at Sesame Street. Yeah. NFL, Super Bowl and Sesame, Sesame Street. Street. Big bird. Yes, yes. Is he big? Yes. Well, well yes. here's the thing. Yeah. You can tell the full story. <laughs> tell, tell what's the big bird behind the scenes. Okay, well, but so this is 
um, that year, 2007, was an amazing year. I mean, I was lucky enough to ring the Wall Street Bell. Um, Have you done that? I did it in Philly. In Philly. I did it because I was over there as a 4 and 20 pie ambassador. <laughs> so, I was, so, I was a, so I was a bit different. Well, yeah, yeah. Representing the shareholders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, we went to a Wiggles concert and for their encore they came out <laughs> wearing Ben Graham Jets jerseys. Oh, that's cool. That's pretty right? cool. So yeah. like, if you can't make it anywhere, like, <laughs> we're in New York. And, the, and then it we got invited Wiggles? to go on Sesame Street. Awesome. And it was... It was an unbelievable honour to be asked. There was the coach, Eric Mangini, the quarterback, Chad Pennington, the star wide receiver, Lavernius Coles, and the Australian punter. <laughs> like it was, it was unbelievable. It was a huge day. It was a huge production. The Sesame Street studio is about as big as this room. Like <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Not, it's tiny. Not very big. <laughs> it's, it's tiny. Um, but to see how it all comes together is quite amazing. And behind the scenes, Kevin Clash, who is Elmo is just an absolute genius. But Big Bird, <laughs> so we had the obligatory photos with uh, all the cast members and the families that were all there. And Big Bird is, he's, okay, so he, the guy is about a couple inches shorter than I am. So if you've sort of got to imagine this. When he puts Big Bird's legs on, it goes up to his armpits, <laughs> right? That's how big the feet are. But when we first met Big Bird, he only had his legs on. <laughs> G'day, Ben, how are you going? So he's, and the kids are um, they're t- like, what's going on? Where's, what's Big Bird? Where's Big Bird? Where's the rest of Big Bird? So the guy um, who had played Big Bird for 37 years. so He's a veteran. So he was the one that went and auditioned for when they were looking for puppets and he went in right. as Big Bird. He was still Big Bird. He's the only one that ever plays Big Bird. So when Big Bird puts his head on and his, and his arm, his upper body on, uh, so he's basically, his head's on the ground and it's a huge big apparatus that goes into his head. So to start, he's sort of bent in half, <laughs> right? So they're getting ready for the photo and here he's bent in half and the kids can't take their eyes off him and they're saying, okay, this is going to be 10 seconds. This is all we've got to take this photo. All right. So then Big Bird gets his arm up and his head and he goes, seven, six, five, four, three, quick. And he collapses again. So he only, so I don't know if you go back and watch Sesame Street reruns, Big Bird, he's only in it for like 10 or 15 (laughs) seconds, says what he needs to say and whoop. There he goes. It was so funny. And, and it's what he said. So you you're playing an AFL grand final. You're playing in a, in a Super Bowl. But then in your you have a job. Ten years later, here's my heat map. I'm dropping my son off at school, and there's Ben behind me. So you're a normal bloke in Melbourne, having a job, but you work for the Bulldogs, and they play it. They win a premiership. So what's that experience like? Yeah, that was amazing. So stuff. I mean, for for a long time, you're not sure how long your NFL career is going to last, and you start to think, what am I going to do? When I get back, I had some business interests with the family in hospitality, and now the aged care industry and but I wanted to get back into... It's going f- well. It's going really well. <laughs> yeah. It actually is. Uh, it's not going away anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, certainly not, no. <laughs> no absolutely not. Um, but I wanted to get back into footy and recreate that network and we moved back to Melbourne and kids went to school. So I got heavily involved in the community and uh, got an opportunity at the Bulldogs and was involved in uh, their AFL program and setting up their VFL program. And it was just great to be back at a footy club and yeah. a lot of great people. And 
We had a good young list that was uh, developed over a few years, and then Bevo came on board, and two years later won that elusive premiership. So Do that you feel part of it, like as a, as oh, a yeah. coach. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it was a, an amazing experience. Yeah. Uh, right up there with Sesame Street. And, <laughs> uh, so. and no, it really was uh, to be part of something like that, and they're the bonds that you'd have as a player and something that I was never able to do as a player, but that's something that I'll be able to hold with that group of people from that year and um, was at the Bulldogs for for eight seasons and um, finished up in the hub, which was, again, a fantastic experience. And uh, So Swanee said the whole year, just not going to count last year. because (laughs) I said it had an asterisk to it on it, yeah. Well, being part of it, knowing what each club went through. I understand. I said it was probably the hardest premiership ever to win. But I still don't think it counts. Like what they all have to go through. But I just think there's so many. There's so many um, excuses everyone team had. Where every year you, you know you're on the MCG, um, you don't have any excuses. Where up this year's people can go. Oh yeah, so, so way I looked at it is every supporter basis goes. Oh yeah, Richmond won it. But if we didn't get to play on the MCG this year, we didn't get to play on the MCG this year. Or uh, we had people who were sick or we weren't allowed to do this or we weren't allowed to do that. So I think there's just too many excuses. But I still – I have no doubt how hard it must have been up there because I obviously have still friends still in the league. So, um, yeah, I have no doubt it was probably the hardest physically and emotionally to win, but I still think it doesn't count. Well, it was probably the most level of playing fields that there has been. So given what they all went through and they all experienced different kind of hubs and the movement within it – but essentially had to experience it and endure it together. And, um, yeah, it was the best team still won. They did. They did. <laughs> and uh, just before you, you said you um, about the winning the premiership in 2016, everyone who wins the Super Bowl gets a ring. Do you believe that all the coaches and players on the list should get a premiership medal? Because they, they've helped. So if you've played well, Robert Murphy, for instance, he's played every game of the year or however many he played, Gets him to the grand final. Is he deserving of a? I think they should. I think every player who's probably played and every coach they're putting just as much work as the twenty-two who's played. So, in my opinion, I believe they should get a medal for the work they've done. Do you? Yeah, I do. And again, we're talking about two completely different sports. In the NFL, the owners write the paychecks for the rings for everybody, okay. right. and they want their ring to be bigger and better than the ring from the previous year. Yeah. Um, obviously, so hard to win. Uh, this case, it's an AFL-driven medal and it'll be nothing for them to strike up another say, 50 yeah. medals for the rest of the players that were on the list that year and for all those that were involved in uh, the yeah, AFL. Absolutely. I think like, even like the bootstutter who works for free, I think they put in more hours yeah. than, and they probably more invested in because we get paid to play it. Those people have lived and breathed Collingwood or the Bulldogs since they were born. So in a way, you can argue that they care more about winning the premiership than the player so I absolutely think that the volunteers and the people who make football clubs football clubs um, a medal well the Bulldogs did do something nice in 2016 they presented everybody with a replica premiership okay, cup that's great, yeah. um, so everyone's got one putting on their mantelpiece as a memory from what a great year it was super well you've been saying for weeks now it's going to be the, the ghost versus the possible goat yeah well absolutely I, I like. think it's undeniable that Tom Brady's the goat and I think there's probably one player who's got a chance to to get him and that's the guy that he's playing against so I guess yeah do you want to give us a rundown of who you think at the end and what you think will happen and any other thoughts on the on Super Bowl so I 
On uh, We do a little show on Channel 7 called NFL Armchair Experts and I coined this on Monday morning straight after the championship games. It's the goat versus the kid. Mm, yeah, very good, like very it, good. Yes. And so the kid's challenge is that if he wants to be the best, he's got to beat the best. And Tom Brady is the best. Like he's been in the league for 19 years. He's been to 10 conference championship games, um, won 10 of them, been to 14. This is his 10th Super Bowl. He's won six of them, going for his seventh. To do it at another club without a pre-season and training camp is what we've known due to the pandemic. It's just an extraordinary achievement. And yes, Bill Belichick helped him become the person and player he is, but for him to be able to do it at 43 is just absolutely phenomenal. 20% of Super Bowls ever. Oh, it's ridiculous. And yeah. I think since he's been playing, 50%. Yeah. So in that window that he's been, he could have played, yeah, 50%. 50%. But you know, I was told during the week that... He did not play in. He did not win one Super Bowl the entire time I was in the league. Isn't he? <laughs> How funny is that? Well, you're going to join the dots there. <laughs> Do you think he ever thinks of it? He's about to see you go. Fuck, Benny Graham's gone. Well, I've played. Well, I've played him nine times and only beat him once. <laughs> you, I don't think you're the lone ranger there. <laughs> but you know, and believe it or not, though, uh, look, they've done such a great job this year to get not only to make the playoffs in what was a tough division, they had to go through the Saints, they finished fifth, they three road wins. They, you know, they're coming up against the NFL's best team and they've proven that now for a couple of years. So it's certainly a big challenge, but, you know, for everyone that's written off Tom Brady, he keeps proving them wrong. And he'll want to prove every single person wrong that picks the Chiefs. So before you Monday. you and maybe for those of us thinking of having an investment, what what way would you be thinking of having an investment? Well, it's, this is a hard one either bet with my heart or my head because, well, originally I was an Atlanta Falcon fan as a kid, but yeah. Michael Vick was my favourite ever player. But I love dogs, so <laughs> when the... <laughs> when the you when downgraded the, him a bit. Yeah, so when the dog <laughs> killing thing came out, I was like, well, I need a new team and... Yeah. My partner has family in Boston, so the first game I literally went to after Michael Vick was a Patriots game. So come on, come around at a good time. So, yeah. yep. um, so I'm a Patriots fan. So if I was going to have a bet, I can't bet against Tom Brady, but my head says the Chiefs because they're just Patrick Mahomes is on a different level. But I will, I will take. I'm going to back the Pats just probably with a three and a half start just in case. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I, I really want Tom Brady to do it. I think. Pat's got a 10, 15 more years to win as many as he can. So just give this one to Tom and go. But like every Super Bowl, you want it to be a very good game. You want to come down in the last drive. Um, hopefully it's high scoring, which these two offenses looks like it might be. Um, but my heart, my head says the Chiefs, probably easy, but I'm going to take the Bucks because I'm an idiot. So just to put myself <laughs> out there. So so from, a, from an analytical point of view, I reckon there's so much money on the – uh, bucks because of exactly what Danger said yeah. about the, yeah. the heart, that the value is the Bucks blowing them out. Chiefs. Uh, sorry, the Chiefs blowing the Bucks out because the Chiefs are the young gun and what could happen. Oh, so I think that, that's what I think happens, yeah. but I'm going to take the Bucks so I want exactly. to win. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm just business. <laughs> so I'm one business. of the idiots who just <laughs> puts money on the I might take the over, but I don't know. We'll see. So I'm going to take the I'm going to take... Uh, My missus might be in labour, so that's the last thing I do. That's the last thing I want. Um... So I've asked her to hold on just till, oh, tu- just so. till Tuesday. I said, whatever you do, just hold on till Tuesday. I'm not sitting in an op- 
said she'll shoot me if I, she's giving birth and I'm sitting there watching the, the last drive in the Super Bowl. So it's me, something on the Chiefs with the, uh, with the over uh, as in a blowout. Uh, what's, what, what says you as an expert? Well, I mean, this is a screenwriter's dream, really, yeah. for the Bucks and the Chiefs, and it's the, it's, look, it's the most Super Bowl that I'm looking forward to other than the one that I've played in <laughs> because of the Brady factor yep. and the Patrick Mahomes factor. Now, if you look at the Chiefs' season, they finished 14-2, and two, but they were 14-1 and one before Week 17 when they rested all their starters. So you put that aside. But they didn't have the ability to put a team away towards the back half of the year. So I always question, well, when it came to the playoffs and the big and better teams, are they going to have that ability? And we've shown, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have shown, that even if they've come from behind, they just turn it on. And the last time they met in week 12, Tyreek Hill had over 200 (laughs) yards in the first half. He ended up with 269 yards and three touchdowns. In the first quarter he had 200 yards. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Like, they have got – so. What I think is the best quarterback in the league, the best wide receiver in the league in Tyreek Hill, the best tight end in the league in Travis Kelsey. And when even if they do have to come from behind, like they did in last year's Super Bowl, they will. But I don't think that they will come from behind. I think they'll get away to a good start. Um, it's going to be all big challenge for the Bucks defense. Um, They're the best run defense, but they don't run the ball. They don't run the ball. Um Look, so it's, it, logic says have more on it. Gamble responsibly. Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> I've said the Chiefs from a long way out. Yeah. I thought the Packers were the best team to take it up to the Chiefs, but um, not <laughs> disputing what the Bucks have been able to do to get to this point. But it's very hit and miss. Yep. And he's going to have to hit a lot more than he misses on Monday um, if there's any chance. Uh, look, the Chiefs will miss Eric Fisher, their left tackle, so that's the blind side. Patrick Mahomes' ability, he's got eyes in the back of his head to understand where the pressure's coming from and to make it up on the run, he'll put them on his back and he'll take them to their second consecutive Super Bowl, which is, I think, only to be the third time ever that someone has won back-to-back Super Bowls and he could be the first to be back-to-back Super Bowl MVP. Have even more on Campbell responsible. And they'll be, and they'll be the favourites next year. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They, yeah, they, well, they were... They're three dollars or whatever they are now, dollar fifty-five. Uh, now they were three twenty-five two weeks ago. When they won the Super Bowl last year, they opened at seven. Wow! So if you're smart, yeah. if you're really analytical, <laughs> yeah. you would have jumped on way back then. Very good, mate. So much appreciate you yeah, coming. Thanks in very much for that, mate. Your, your time. Were you in the middle of doing something else? No, Good. no, not at all. I've got all the time in the world for you, <laughs> Ralphie. We go way back. That's great. Uh, anything happen at Collingwood or that'll do for now? That's probably, we'll do it next time. Okay. Probably not, yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.